shortest one. And for me to stay here the whole time and to talk in this microphone will be impossible. So um, Robert's going to bring me a couple batteries. I'm going to replace them. Um, so glad you're here this morning. Uh, obviously, the weather has uh, created some challenges. So are we on Facebook this morning, Matthew? All right, Matt's got our, uh, out and about being able to watch us this morning. I'll take those. And, um, but thankful that we are able to gather this morning. Thank you that you've made it. I see our Waynetown section is kind of full this morning. Um, Waynetown crew made it out well, and uh, they're filled up with some extra guys from Trinity. And it is a delight to have our Trinity guys with us. Um, uh, it's a ministry that I participate in and, and certainly enjoy working with, and it's a joy to see the guys growing. All right, let's see if I'm on. Is this... Uh, this will be really tough for me to stand here. All right, but we'll, we'll uh, see what we can do. Um, is, is it on yet? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so hey, yesterday also, we had a, uh, the deacons met yesterday for um, what we did, an annual training thing, something that we've begun. And one of the things we want to seek to help as the deacons is be able to serve the church better. And uh, so we spent a good bit of time yesterday doing that. And I'm really, really thankful. We've got a great group of deacons who are um, eager to serve and are willing to be obviously very involved in the church, so we appreciate that. Also, uh, Cher, we've had, uh, starting off this year, it's been a, a really exciting uh, spiritual start to the year. Um, we've seen two people come to know Christ as our Savior already this year, um, both of them adults, uh, one through the Helping Hand Ministry, another one through a guy that's been coming on um, Wednesday nights and a part of church family, so um, God's doing some good things. And uh, so let's... Um, this morning, as we're thinking about where we are, we're going to look really kind of two questions this morning. And uh, the two questions we're going to look at, I think I've got on the screen here. By the way, kids are now, we put that on the screen. You know why I put that on the screen? For me. So I would not forget to tell the kids to go to children's church. So if the kids can go to children's church right now, because I forget those things. All right, let's see if this mic works. Are we working yet? Is it working? No? No? All right, I'm going to try really hard. Um, is that one working, Robert? If that one works, listen. This I have a I have a I'm a routine guy. I mean, I have like I'm pretty regimented and stuff. And on Sunday mornings, I mean, I leave the house a certain time and I get here, walk through the sermon a certain time, check sure everything's on and different things, just um, making sure everything's ready to go. And I did not check this mic this morning. Every literally every Sunday, that's a part of it. I was sweeping some salt and working on that instead. So. Um, I'm out of, out of sorts here. Robert's going to help. He, I appreciate Robert. Robert does a great job with our sound. He has uh, um, learned that soundboard, and it's pretty cool. His iPad can work the soundboard. So if you're sitting back there sometimes and he's got his iPad, he can move stuff around. It's like moving in front of you. I mean, the technology is a little bit scary. But, um, okay. All right, now we'll see if this one works. Again, this is going to be a lot better than me just trying to stand still this whole time.
work life? What about educationally? Where do you want to be in an education? Think about where, where am I now? And if I trace it out, where do I want to be? Where do you want to be? And thinking about just even ministry, how, do, how did you see, if, if I could project out how I'd want to see maybe God using me? And it's good to think about these things. I think it's important for us to, to, to think about the future and where we're going to be. And certainly we realize God is sovereign and we have a God that we can make great plans and end up at a different nation that we anticipate. We certainly understand that. But we also see the value of being able to kind of decide where do I want to be so that we can take steps to get there. But another question first, but it's a little different. Where do you want to be? And the next question is, where are you going? Now, those questions are certainly related, right? Because where you're going is going to get you somewhere, right? We think about this, and the difference between these two questions is that the first one is a question about destination. The second one is a question about direction, right? So, where do I want to go? Where am I going? What direction? Another way of saying that would be this, is that you arrive at a destination, you choose a direction, Okay, you arrive at a destination, you, you, you move in a direction. Now, what this, some of this, things that I'm, this introduction that I have and some of the things we're talking about, um, I first really bought into this whenever I was listening to a message by a guy named Brent Oakwin from Faith uh, Church in Lafayette in a counseling conference, and he was talking about a session called The Principle of the Path. There's a book by that name, and so some of this is stuff that he has taught and has really helped resonate with me, and I think it's helpful for us as well. So I certainly want to give credit there. But we recognize this. So as we think about this idea, where do you want to be, where are you going, that we think about a destination and direction. Let's use an illustration. Okay? Let's suppose we want to go to Chicago. Right, we want to go to Chicago, we want to go to the Wills Tower, it used to be the Sears Tower, we want to go to Navy Pier, we want to see a show or something in Chicago. And we decide, Chicago's where I want to be, okay? and it's going to take us a few hours to get there, so we just determine, I want to be there. So, but we begin to think, that's where I want to go, and if I'm going to go to Chicago, what direction do I need to travel? I need to travel north, right? Okay, so... We decide, let's go to Chicago. But then we decide, wait, before we get to Chicago, though, we're going to be on the road for a while. Let's go to Lebanon and get Titus Donuts. Because that'll be a good road trip snack, right? So we're thinking, okay, because N65 is over there, so we can get on 65 in Lebanon and go north, right? So we're thinking, okay, this is good. So we get on the road, and we start heading east, and we get the Titus Donuts. We get these donuts, and they're like, these are great. And, uh, but eating that donut reminds you of a friend. And you're like, that friend, I'm going to call them and see if they want to go to Chicago with me. Call the friend, and they said, hey, we got some Titus Donuts heading to Chicago for the weekend. You want to come with me? And they're like, absolutely, sure, let's go to Chicago. So they said, all right. And they said, we'll come get you. We'll be there in a few minutes. And uh, so, but we realized they live in Whitestown. So we get on 65, and we get on 65, and what direction do we start going? south we get our friend and we get the whitestown and we have a friend and and uh, we pick them up and we're fired up we've eaten half the donuts already we got some for them we've got our friend in the car we're ready for chicago and this friend says hey hold on though before we go if we're gonna go to that show i need a i want to get a new shirt and we're like oh, dude we don't get a new shirt and like, okay let's go to a new shirt and he says because we can go to castleton it's not that far away we can go to castleton and get a shirt so we get in the car we go from whitestown we go to castleton which way is castleton from whitestown south east, right? You see where this is going, right? So where do I want to be? I want to be Chicago, okay? Do we really want to be there? 
Absolutely. I mean, we, we're having, we're baking all kinds of plans to get there. I mean, we've got a friend, we got donuts, we're getting a new shirt, all this kind of stuff. But what direction are we heading? So, so here's the here's the idea that what's determining our destination is not our decision to be somewhere. I don't simply decide and end up at a destination because that's where I want to be. I end up at a destination because of the path that I take. So if I get on I-65 and I start heading south and I really, really want to be in Chicago and I'm heading south and heading south, I really want to be in Chicago. I love Chicago. Chicago's a great place. Stop at Chick-fil-A on the way down after I had the donuts and a little further down. And then I get to this bridge and it says Ohio River. And I'm thinking, how did I get here? I didn't want to go to Louisville. I did not want to get here. How did I end up here? And the answer would be what? That's the direction you chose. If you get on I-65 South and you stay on I-65 South from Indianapolis, where will that road always lead you? It will always lead you to Louisville. Will I-65 South ever get you to Chicago? It won't. And yet, we often think that. Now, we don't think it in the map ways. Well, intentionally, we don't think that in the map sense. But we recognize that oftentimes that's what goes on in our lives. That we have these plans. I want to be here. I want these things to be true. But the direction I end up going is a direction that's never going to get me where I want. And I end up at a place in my life and I wonder, how did I get here? I don't want to be here. But then I realize... Well, I got here because I've been driving on the road that was going to get me here. And so another principle that we would see in this is that the paths lead to destinations. Right? Paths lead to destinations. This isn't rocket science. But these are the kind of truths that are so easy for us to miss. We think about in, a, in our everyday life, if somebody, you're single and you're deciding, I want, to be, I want to get married and marry a good Christian guy and have a great marriage. That's what I want. But I'll go out with anybody that asks me out. I mean, I'll go, if they say they'll ask me out and they show me some attention, I'll go there. So I, I'm choosing a path. I want this destination, but I'm taking steps down this path. We have a couple that think we want to have a great Christian marriage. We want our marriage to honor God. We want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're committed to being married. But we decide, but, but we're going to live together for a while first. And it's like, well, you're saying you want to honor God with your relationship, but you're going in a direction that's contrary to that now. What, what do you think is going to make the turn? We have a wife who would say, I want to have a warm close relationship with my husband and, and and i want that i want that relationship with my husband but that anytime a situation comes up i always prioritize the kids you have a husband who wants to have a warm affectionate relationship with his wife and yet he occupies himself with work sports hobbies until he wants her affection we think about the Christian who wants a deep, meaningful, growing relationship with Christ. I want to be in Chicago. I want this. But when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is check my social media, scroll through all of what I can find, read the newspaper, watch the news and all of that, and don't ever get to my Bible reading. 
We think about that, the, the, where do I want to be in a few years? In my old age, where do I want to be? In my old age, I want to be able to enjoy my grandkids. I want to be able to enjoy good health. I want to be able to enjoy some financial freedom. But right now, I'm not taking care of myself physically at all. Not really working, doing things in terms of relationship with my family. That's going to really probably want them to be around them. I really, really want that, though. That's really what I want. But I'm driving in a different direction. I want to be able to give some money to either help the church or to help a friend who's on the mission field. But when it comes to Thursday nights, I really like to eat at Buffalo Wild Wings regularly. And we think about where we want to be and how often this distinction, this distinction happens in our lives, this disconnect. We say, I want this. This is where I want to be true in my life. And yet I'm going in a different direction. And what we have to realize is what we say we want does not determine our destination. What we say we want does not determine our destination. What determines our destination is the direction we take on a daily Choice by choice moment. When I get, I'm driving south on 65, if I want to be in Chicago, I have to make a decision every time I go by an exit what I'm going to do. Am I going to turn around and go in a different direction? And maybe I'd ask the question, if we used your life as a case study, if we looked at your life and we spent some time interviewing you and talking to you about what you really want to be true in your life and you made these things, and then we looked at the decisions and the direction that you're going, would we see a disconnect? And I'm confident that in most of their lives, there are, most of our lives, there are different levels of disconnect here. Some places we're probably doing pretty well, but others we would say, listen, if I stay on this trajectory, now I really hope it gets somewhere different, but this path is going to lead to a destination. And oftentimes the only person that we're fooling whenever we are on 65 going south thinking we're going to get to Chicago, the only person we're fooling is ourselves. Because everybody around us looks, and they're, they're looking at our license plate, and you're heading south, and they're like, this is not going to work out well. This is not going to get you where you want to be. And we recognize this, and we would say then, why are we where we want to be? I mean, we can simply, not only, we don't simply need to look to the future, but sometimes we can look at where am, why am I where I am right now? In some of these same things, relationships, marriage, finances, job employment, um, education. I can look at these things. Why am I where I am now? And we certainly recognize, again, God is sovereign. We don't want to move, remove God's sovereignty and how he, he orchestrates things. But oftentimes we can also look to think, there are things going on in my life right now that is a result of decisions that I have been making. Financial decisions I have been making have led to me being where I am financially. There have been relational problems that I have had that I have not handled them and I've gone in a direction that that is why this relationship, one of the reasons this relationship is hard right now is because I have not followed the path to get to a different destination. And as we recognize that, we realize that this is challenging. And as we recognize in this big idea of paths and destinations, as we begin to look at the Word of God, we see that the Word of God really spells out to us that there are really primary two directions that we're going to go. That God's Word teaches us that there are two primary paths from which we are going to choose. And these two paths have two destinations. These paths lead to different, in different directions, 
And because they lead in different directions, they lead to different destinations. For instance, let's look in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, if you'll open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, we're going to look in chapter 9. If you're using a pew Bible, and again, I really encourage you to follow along with us in the Bible because um, um, the Bible is the authority, not what I say. And I want to make sure that I'm saying what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 9. And in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is a book, uh, well, those of you who are coming on Sunday nights, what's our theme of the book of Proverbs? Yeah, wisdom, right? It's a wisdom book, okay? What's happening in chapter 9 is it says this. We hear, um, we're going to see two choices, all right? Actually, two voices. Chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars, right? So wisdom is personified as a woman here. Okay, so wisdom is this woman. What is she doing? She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She's worked hard to get this meal ready. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. So she sends out. Wisdom is sending people out to call out. And they say in verse 4, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So to those who are simple, those who don't have wisdom, he's saying, turn in here, turn in to the house of Lady Wisdom. To him who lacks sense, say, come and eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple way and live and walk in the way of insight. So we see this voice, this voice of wisdom calling us. And it's calling us, it says in verse 6, to leave one way. Leave your simple way and live and walk in the way of insight. So it, the voice is saying, listen, you are on this road going to a destination that is going to be destructive. Wisdom says, turn around. Listen, I have all these things prepared. I'm going to help you. And so the choice is to follow this voice of wisdom. What's the contrast? It got, the contrast is down in verse 13. So we have Lady Wisdom here, and now here in verse 13, who do we have? The woman folly is loud. The woman folly. So we have the Lady Wisdom, and we have the woman folly. Folly is foolishness. Okay, so we're contrasting wisdom and foolishness. And what is going on here? She is seductive. Okay, what's it mean that she's seductive? That she allures. She smells good. She sounds nice. She, she smells pretty, she, all these things. She's seductive, and she knows nothing. But she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat in the highest place and calling those who pass by who are going straight on their way. So we have this person, and he's hearing this voice of wisdom, and he's hearing the voice of folly. And it says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And, do you see, but now, pause here. Look back up to verse 4. Look what verse 4 says. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So we have these two voices saying the same thing. Follow me. Follow this way. Whoever is simple, in verse 16, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, he, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What is she saying? On the other one, we're saying that the lady wisdom, she has worked to prepare all this food. She has done the hard work for this. Over here, Lady Folly is saying, 
hey, stolen, wood, stolen bread, that's what's good. Just take what you want. And she says to him that, that stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But, here's the, the path, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, or the, the grave. So we have these two voices, wisdom calling us down this path and folly calling us down this path. And we see that in our day today. All kinds of voices saying, saying, do this. This is the way of wisdom. That's what we say. We want to be over here saying this is a way of wisdom. And over here, our world saying the way of folly. Do this. All kinds of things. I mean, we think about, okay, you need a little bit of money. There's a payday loan place. You know what? Just go take a little extra, take a little extra out. You're going to pay a ton of interest and all that kind of stuff. But what can it hurt? Do it now, right? Shortcuts in your relationship. You're having a conflict with somebody, and, and wisdom would say, "Follow God. Do the things that would fix this. Work hard." And over here it says, "Who are they to treat you that way? They're the one who needs to fix this problem." Right? Oh, over here is this idea of I'm having a conflict or something's really hard happened that, that, that God's word would say to do these hard things, this voice of wisdom to, to work hard to be able to forgive and show kindness and love. What does folly say? Folly says, what do you mean forgive them? I don't get mad, I get even. Vengeance and anger and wrath over here. And we see pulling us different directions. And we recognize that these voices are calling us. And what we realize is that this is a really... This, this, now, I'll just pause here. Is this a pretty clear principle? Okay, so here's the question. Why is it so hard? Right? I mean, it's like, well, duh. I mean, if I choose wisdom, things go good. If I choose folly, things go bad. Why? I mean... I don't want to to choose things that go bad. Why is this the case? Because the paths that we choose are revealing to us our hearts. Listen, we don't go the direction that we think about. We don't go the direction because I'm thinking big about destinations. I'm following the path that's going to give me what I want. I'm following the path that's going to give me what I want. And this is a phrase we've heard me use a million times, and million one is here, that is this, I do what I do. Okay, these things that I do, why do I do what I do? Because I want what I want. And then we'd ask, but, that, but then we'd have to ask the question, well, why do I want this stuff? I mean, I'm doing stuff that's not right. Why do I want wrong stuff? Why do I want stuff that's leading me to destruction, things that are making my life harder? Why is it that I do that? And here's why. That I do what I do because I want what I want, and I want what I want because I love what I love. What that means is we do what we love. So here, So let's use a simple example, all right? So... My destination, I want to be healthy in the next year. So I make a New Year's resolution. I want to be healthy. And then I go to some fair, and over here for lunch, as I step up to the counter, and on this side, oh, this side over here, it has a salad with, with some fruit and vegetables in it and low-fat dressing. Okay, what do I, where's, what destination do I want? I want to be healthy. Will this get me there? That's the direction I ought to choose, right? But at that same booth, it's got elephant ears. Hmm. What do I order, the salad or the elephant ear? 
Well, I say to myself, well, self, you're going to get serious about this beating healthy tomorrow. Um, and actually, you had a pretty healthy bowl of cereal this morning with some low-fat milk, so you're doing all right today, and tomorrow will be better. So I look and I think, I'll take the elephant ear. And I take the elephant ear, and now, I, a few months go by, and I'm, I like, keep eating elephant ears, and I keep choosing that path, and I look at the scale, and I'm thinking, why aren't I making any progress? I, I want to be healthy, and I'm not getting any healthier. And the question is, why aren't I getting any healthier? Because I'm continuing to choose this path. And your friend who loves you, and they say to you, say, and you're kind of talking to them about it, say, man, I've been trying to lose weight all year, trying to get more healthy. And your friend's like, um, do you think the elephant ears might have anything to do with it? And you're like, I don't think that much, or blah, blah, blah. And we make all these excuses as to why that's not the case, because we think that we can... In our brains, it makes this. And so our friend says, listen, when you're at the counter, just order a salad. Which is good. It sounds, like, it sounds good, doesn't it? Until we start to realize that any time we put something like that, we say, just do that, there's no just to it. Because there's more going on than me just making a decision between a salad and an elephant ear. What, there's a battle going on in my heart about what I love most. So we sometimes think about, this, think about trying to lose weight or you're, you have an anger problem and there's an anger issue that's going on in your heart and it's boiling up in your heart and you see this, it, get, it gets explosive and stuff and, and somebody who likes this, well, why don't you just chill out? And you're, if you're that angry person, you're thinking, if it were just that easy just to chill out, because all this is, fires up inside of my heart, and I don't, I just, just chill out? Are you kidding me? If you think about somebody who is challenged with, um, somebody who is challenged with sexual desire that's outside of God's design, and we can say, well, just, just do the right thing. Just stop. Just say No. We think about somebody who is, is in poor health and, and they need some exercise. They need to get their heart rate up. And you say, just get out of bed and exercise. Because that's easy, right? I mean, we think about these things. It's just do it. And it's a great slogan for a tennis shoe commercial. But we realize that's not how work, life works. We don't just do what we do because we want a destination. We do what we do because we love what we love. And our problems is we love things that are getting us to a destination that we don't want to go. We think sometimes with, with Trinity, we were sharing, talking about this a couple of weeks ago, about how, how thinking about when drug addiction, if you don't understand addiction, you just want to say, why don't you just stop? And, and, and everyone's guys would say, I wish it were that easy. And they might look at you who are overweight and say, why don't you just stop eating as much? Why don't you just get more exercise? Why don't you just stop being so angry? Why don't you just stop doing those things? And we realize that the just, because, because somebody else's struggle is different than mine, because this is all going on in my heart. And it's not an issue of just doing something. There is radical transformation that has to happen for us to choose a different direction from the one that has been captured, that has captured our lives. As we had as we understand this, that we are conf continually confronted with a choice. And here is my favorite letter of, the, letter of the alphabet right now, right? This why, okay? And as we think about this why, we are always at this point of decision. 
what am I going to do, the elephant ear or the salad, exercise or, get, or, or sleep in for a little bit longer? Um, am I going to, to um, forgive this person or am I going to say, it's, I'm going to hold on to this anger and resentment? Am I going to turn away from this sexual desire or am I going to fulfill that sexual desire? What am I going to do? I'm always at this point of why. And as we think about elephant ears and salads, that's at one level, but at a harder, deeper level is our relationship with God and what's going on there. And we really look at our picture, and it's familiar to us that we realize these two ways. There's my way, and there's God's way. And in these two ways, we see two verses that challenge us. The first is Proverbs thirteen fifteen, and look here with me. For those of you that this picture is familiar with, I would encourage you to ask, I would ask you the question, can you explain this to somebody else? Okay, because you need to be able to do this, right? This is, this is something, this is a simple illustration that can help you to make better choices and to be getting to the destinations you want to be, but also to tremendous benefit to others. So Proverbs thirteen fifteen says this, good sense wins favor. But the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Another way it says is the way of the unfaithful is hard. It says the way of the wicked. And, and it's describing this way, this path, this direction. And it's this path of those who are doing it their way. I'm treacherous. I'm unfaithful. I'm going to do what I want to do, not what God wants me to do. So what is that? So I go my way. And it says it, is, it leads to ruin. In our simple statement that we would say that doing it my way, life gets harder. Okay? Life gets harder because I want to do it my way. The contrast to this, turn back to Proverbs 4, verse 18. Proverbs 4, 18. And this verse is a beautiful picture. The imagery is fantastic. It says in chapter 4, verse 18, But the path of the righteous. So we have the way of the treacherous, the way of the unfaithful. Over here we have a different path. The path of the righteous, right? Two voices calling us different directions. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Okay, so think about the morning sun. Okay, it's, it's early in the morning. The sky is just beginning to turn pink. You see somebody across the parking lot. You see their silhouette, but you're like, I can't tell who that is. Okay? But, and so it's a little difficult. But as the sun continues to rise, what happens? It gets brighter and things get clearer. Right? And so he says that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. What this is teaching us is that whenever I step to go my way, this way seems real easy and it makes sense, but it's going to lead me to a path that's hard. This direction, going God's way, it starts out, it's kind of dark because I really I can't see it real clearly, but I know that it's right, because I know this is what God's calling me to. And if I step on this path and I stay on it, what happens? Things get what? Brighter. And so, now, why that's important is because we would think that our contrast would be, if, if I do things my way, life gets harder. If I do things God's way, life gets easier. That's what we'd expect it to say. But nowhere in the Bible do we read that. Okay, so if somebody has told you that being a Christian will make your life easier, this is a time for correction. It, your life m- may be very difficult as a Christian. 
But, but what we see is doing it God's way, it isn't about making life easier. It is about making life brighter. And what that means is things are making sense. I'm on a path that's going to get me to a good destination. And it may be difficult and it may be challenging, but it's on a destination. Then the destination is a good, bright, it is the right direction to go. And we recognize this contrast in this. And now we realize that what, now, if this is all this picture was, this would all just be behaviorism. Because you'd ask the question, well, what dummy would choose to go a path that's going to make life harder? Right? I mean, if it's that easy, well, I'm just going to choose a path that makes life easier. I'm not going to choose a path that gets life harder because nobody chooses a destination that's going to make their life miserable. You hear that? Nobody chooses a destination that's going to make their life miserable. But we make all kinds of choices in a direction that will make our life miserable. We choose direction. It's about direction, not the destination. What direction are we heading? And now, so what determines what direction I'm going to go? What path am I going to go? Am I going to go down the path for the elephant ear or the path to the salad? And it's like, I don't know. I I love elephant ears. And so if I love elephant ears, I'm always going to go the path of the elephant ear, and it's going to lead me to the path of being an elephant, right? Okay? And if I choose the path of, the, of, the, of doing it this way, it's like the morning sun's not very, it's, it's, it's dark in the morning. Salad. Oh, salad. Okay? But I start eating it. I'm like, well, you know, this one's too bad. Elephant here might taste a little better, but it didn't kill me, right? And, and, I, and, I, and I stay on the path, and I start to realize this is good for me. And this is not only good for me, but I'm, you know, I find some stuff I kind of like along this path. It's kind of healthy, you know. I don't feel like my stomach's on a rock after I've eaten it, right? And it's like this is okay. And we see this distinction. It is about which way. But what boils down to all this, and here's what we have to see, is that what drives all this is our love. I do what I do because I love what I love. I'm going to choose the path that I love. And that's why we look at our lives. What, if, if we say, what do you love? I would say, look at the choices you've been making. Look at the decisions you've been making. You, know, you, you say, well, I love God. But every time you have a conflict that you don't solve the problems, you pursue peace. Escape. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. But I love God. Well, God says, blessed are the peacemakers. Right? And we say, well, I, I love God. I want to I do what God, I want to have a life of purity. But this stuff that shows up on the movies and whatever, my screen or whatever, I'm, I follow that. Because it's about what I love. And, and our verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. And if this passage isn't underlined in your Bible by now, I would encourage you, underline it, highlight it. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. This is on page 966 in the Pew Bible. In the context here, Paul's been talking about, actually a little bit after this passage, he's going to talk about if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. You have been made new that the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to transform our hearts. God wants to change us. He wants us to love him more than we love anything else. And he gives us lots of reasons for that. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, it says this, For the love of who? Christ controls us. It controls us, compels us, that there is a controlling love in my life. 
So the question would be, why would the love of God control me? And it says this, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. I mean, that's about the Lord's Supper we shared. One died for all. Jesus died for us. Why? He took our sins upon himself because of his love, and he gives us, offers us his righteousness to become acceptable to God. He does that for us. And so because he has done all of this, it says, So, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all so that... Now, if we pause here and I ask the question, he died for all so that... What would the so that's be? In our minds, instantly we think about Jesus died so that I could go to heaven. He died to wash away my sins. He died to make me new. He died so that I can go to heaven. He can wipe every tear from my eye. No more death, mourning, crying, tears, or pain. He died for all of those things. And you would be exactly right. Those are all things, wonderful things Jesus died for. But I would say, too, though, that all of those are the thens of the gospel. That what Jesus did when we become new creatures and what God does when we die. And if we have a then and we have a then, what's missing? Now's missing, which I think is a huge challenge in the church oftentimes because we know what Jesus did and we know what he's going to do. The question is, what Jesus do, what's Jesus doing now in our lives? And this verse tells us, back to verse 15, and he died for all so that those who live, who's that? That's us. We're the ones living that we would no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus died so that we would what? No longer what? Live for ourselves. That's our problem. Why do I choose a path that will lead to destruction when I want to go to a path that's going to lead good? Why will I choose to go south on 65 when I want to go north? Because I love me. And Jesus died to uproot this. He, he died to, to transform that so that we would be controlled by a love for him. And a love for him, and it's worthy, he's worthy of our love. But listen, Jesus is worthy of our love because he is the life. Jesus is the life. He is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the light of life. He's the resurrection in life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life. And he calls us to know him. And as we truly know him through his word, and as the Spirit of God opens our eyes and our hearts to understand this, that we would be praying, God, open my eyes to see you more clearly. And as we see him more clearly, he creates in us a love, a love for him that uproots this love for myself. And it uproots this love for myself because I love God that I, want to, I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you, God. And I want to live for you because of who you are and what you've done for me. And so when I'm confronted with these choices of, of, of doing it my way or your way, that, that this destination of, of you and know and being with you forever, that fires me up and you died for me, that's what I want. I'm going to do it your way. It's the love of Christ that controls us, that we see this. And so we would ask the question then, so why should we do this? Why should we live for Jesus why live for him? Why make these choices? And there are four reasons. And a little scrabble why there. Why? Because Jesus loves you. He does. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
the demonstration of His love. He loves you. He gives you breath. He woke you up this morning. He's given you ears to hear. He's given you eyes to see. He loves you. Second thing we'd say, well, why should I live for God is because, well, because I love Him. We would also say, because of what we've talked about with our why, that doing things my way makes life harder. Doing things His way makes life brighter. And so why live for Him? And these are four reasons to help us. And listen, three of these are undisputed facts. First one, no question, God loves us. He did not spare his own son to bring you to himself. Following your way will make your life harder. Does anybody, I mean, does anybody not believe that? I mean, most of us are old enough to realize when I make choices that are contrary to God's law, word, life gets harder. And we'd all realize that. And the other way is following Christ's way makes life brighter. Those are the undisputed facts. This is the only one that's in question. Do you love him? Not do you like him. Not do you think positive thoughts about him. Not do you want to arrive at a destination where he is in the future. Do you love him? Do you love him in a way that is going to affect your decisions? Jesus is the life. Do you know him? If you come to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, a Savior who's died to give us life so that we would live for Him the best thing that there is. Do you love Him? And this, this isn't an intellectual question. This is an evidence question. What do the choices of your life say that you love? And then, are you living for Him? Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Do, are you living for him? And these are significant questions for us to be asking ourselves and to, to be able to know this for ourselves and to be choosing and choosing to please God because he's uprooting in, in my life a love for me and sending a deep root of a love for him into my life so that I would love him and live for him and that he would be glorified through my life. And my life will get brighter. It may be hard, but it's going to be brighter. Do you know him? Do you love him? Are you living for him? I would encourage you this morning to examine those. And then if you say, one other thing I'd say about those three questions, the answer has to, is the same for all of them. It's either yes to all of them or it's actually no to all of them. Because if you truly know God, you'll love him. And if you truly know and love God, you'll live for him. But if you say, I love him, but you're not living for him, the Bible says, you're a liar. Uh, that's First John, look it up, okay? But it's all either yes, all those are yes or all of them are no. And we, for us to ask ourselves, what's driving my love? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll challenge us and encourage us, Lord, to examine our lives to see, do we truly know you? Do we truly love you? Do we truly live for you? That you would help us to examine ourselves and God, we thank you that you have loved us first. The whole reason we can do this is because you have loved us. You have poured out your grace to us in Jesus Christ. And so God, I pray that you would help us to not simplify all of this just to think, just, just try harder, but God, that you would transform us to love more. And that the more we love you, the less we would love ourselves. The more we love you, the, the greater our passion to live for you will be and to live for ourselves will be diminished. God, help us. And this morning, Lord, as we 
gather, and as there's four people wrestling with this this morning, I pray that they would take time just to talk to you, to confess their sins, to confess a trust in you, to say, Lord, I know that you offer forgiveness for this. You offer forgiveness for me loving myself and going my way. And so, God, forgive me. And we know that there's cleansing in Christ, that as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.